I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast where we break down politics, government structure, and dive into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Electoral College. So grab your nearest elector. And let's get civical. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. Today we are talking about the Electoral College. Heard of it. <laughs> She's a hot mess. Yeah. And we have a special guest with us. His name is John Early. He is an actor, comedian, and friend, work colleague. Woo! <laughs> He's just a great yeah, human There being. he is. Super funny. I'm so glad to see his face over Skype. And uh, yeah, he's going to talk to us with us about the Electoral College. 
we're going to try and unpack this. It's, it's going to get heated. It's, it's going to get, get steamy. We're going to get emotional. Lizzie's going to yell. I'm I'm going to get angry. It's Good. not what's happening is not OK. And I want her to know that at the top that I'm not OK <laughs> with the Electoral College. Um, and if you listen to our episode on gerrymandering, then you know that uh, I, too, think this is a crock of bullshit. So let's we're going to talk about what it is first. So Lizzie's going to walk us through what the FDR, the Electoral College, actually is. Yes. The the facts are that there are 538 electors. It's a big number. Candidates only need 270 to win the presidency. The only people who cannot be in the Electoral College are people in Congress who hold office. Uh, each state uh, electoral allotment is equal to the amount of congressional members your state has. So that's how many House of Representatives you have. And then your two senators. And then this crock of bullshit, which is political parties of each state nominate their own electors. Now, can I just immediately interrupt? Please. Totally. Uh, I was waiting. I was seeing you thinking about it. So just what do you feel? How well, do you, you feel? No, you have to talk to me as if I'm not. <laughs> because this is like a, an issue I've also, I like not also, but I, that I've pretended to be angry about and don't know anything about. Right. Um, so like when you say nominate an elector, Mm-hmm. What that's what I what I don't understand is like when someone wants totally. an electoral vote, like it's not just the You're, popular vote of that given like region. No, so you when you go to the ballot and yeah. you cast your vote for president, you're voting for the electors who are going to vote for that candidate. So, so there are the different ele- electors per candidate. Yeah, like there's they, they've they've like basically promised. Yeah. That they would vote for a particular candidate. Got it. Um, okay. So, and then I don't know if you recall during right after the 2016 election, there was some hubbub back and forth about the liberals basically thought one of the ways that Trump could possibly not take the presidency yes. is if the electors agreed not to vote for him because he was clearly insane. Right. That obviously didn't happen, but that's where the electors come into play because when you go to the ballot box, you're voting for the electors, not really for the the candidate for president. And that is to just have some sort of control on like tyranny, like possible tyranny, <laughs> right? Like that's why yeah, the right. system's in place, you know. Yeah, it was in theory. created. It was yeah. created because the founding fathers basically didn't trust that the American population could make an educated, informed decision. They were so right. they wanted to. so they wanted to put this like sort of buffer system in place that was more educated white men right basically making the decision for them sort of based on their general popular opinion interesting okay and is there okay so keep going this is very helpful thank you you're so welcome please ask questions Um, along the way the uh the last thing i'll say about structure is um that Electors cannot vote for a president and vice president candidate who both hail from an elector's home state. So you could only, that's like an actual rule. You can only vote for one. You cannot vote for both if they both come from your state. Which is we haven't so really, bizarre. It's right. so weird. But like, that, so just in case, that's the issue. That's definitely in place. I know you were worried about that. Right. Yeah, um, I was. So we have that in place. <laughs> you lost sleep, have you? Over yes. That? Yeah. yeah, I'm like, what if they're both from Virginia? <laughs> what do we do? Then what you have to have do? like double the electors. Has that ever happened? Not in, not in modern history. No, I mean, there modern. probably was a time when maybe both were from Virginia because yeah. we had because that's we did all have, that mattered like, the, back in the... the slew of Virginia representatives yeah. at the top of the the beginning of history. Yeah, 
but not in recent history. It's not an issue. But that's it's weird that that's like a rule that they decided yeah. that they must write down on parchment. Like we have to make sure this is crystal clear. Crystal clear. I think that comes from like the larger like the states that were mostly farmland, and then the mm-hmm. states that had all the people. You know, like they're like, but if it's if you're both coming from, that's... I don't know, Georgia, mm-hmm. like you can't. Georgia wasn't a state. If you're coming from a state that has lots of cows and slaves, you you don't want you both don't get the both votes, and the vice right? Like the cities wanted some. Can't have check your on cake and eat it. Too. Got it. Okay. That's all to say the electoral college is a group of humans that we vote for when we go to the ballot box. We don't actually vote for the president. We vote for these people. And can I? Maybe so I you were going to explain this, but how yeah. are those people selected? The electors. The electors themselves. How do you become an elector? The parties choose them. They nominate them. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Do you see yeah. how so, this could possibly be an issue? <laughs> yes, definitely. Are you, sen- is, <laughs> are you tangling? But like, well, literally, so if it's li- they're just there in case an insane person's running. Right, basically. but like it clearly, yes, but it clearly didn't help us last time. Right, exactly. They didn't do their job. Right. The, literally no. the only thing they would be useful for, they did not do. Right. Yes, this exactly. is, they, they had one job. This was their moment. <laughs> And you could say they missed the moment. So they're literally, it's basically just kind of a symbolic, like, if if the, if everyone in a given region votes for Trump, mm-hmm. they just kind of, in theory, they're supposed to, if they think Trump is sane enough, in theory, they're just supposed to go, I choose Trump. Yes. That's mm-hmm. all it is. I'm like, again, I'm, we yeah. have to break it down to like the full basics for me. No, please we do. Will. Thank this you. is, that is exactly what they, what they do. They, I think they were in the... When they wrote the Constitution, I think they were supposed to be a little bit more active in that decision. Okay. Um, Lizzie is going to read some stuff directly from the Constitution that will help us. It's going to be very unhelpful. I will say that you uh, might because it's not clear. It's not. It's not well thought out. There's a lot of. There's only two periods, and it, it's a whole page of text. It's it's a lot. Yeah. So that's what the Electoral College is. There are two states who don't follow the general like winner take all structure so mm-hmm. 40 of 48 of the 50 states each whoever wins the most votes in that state like that's what it those electoral votes go to that person wow there are two states okay that, they yeah, get yeah. all of the votes yeah. so if the majority of people in texas vote for trump trump gets all of texas's electoral votes yeah interesting how do you feel yes. did not know that yeah yep. yeah it's 48 of the states but two of them what do they do they have a district system Maine and Nebraska, in which, so what they do, they have two, like their two Senate votes go for whoever gets the most votes in the state. And mm-hmm. then the rest of the votes are awarded by congressional districts. Got it. So they split their votes. So okay. it's a little bit, you get a little bit more, I guess, representation. Nuance. I would say. And those I would yeah. say you would get more nuance. Yeah. Is there any sort of movement for every state to be like that? Or the only movement is just to get rid of the Electoral College. I mean, even that movement is not a very strong movement. The reason right. the Electoral College is in the Constitution. Yeah. And that is the greatest issue. Like, like the, the founding fathers really <laughs> fucked us over and tied wow. our hands here yeah. Yeah. by putting it in the Constitution. Because you can bring it to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court will say, darling, it's in the Constitution. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. you want me to say. And the, it's pretty clear. Right. The only thing that would be able to deal with it is a amendment to the constitution which seeing how our government is right now agreeing to a congressional amendment feels as though it's a bit of a stretch it's not possible yeah yeah so it is sort of like this um 
it's this thing that's going to stay. Yeah. But there should be like, I think there should be a movement to expand this like district totally. system thing. Yes. Because that it doesn't it doesn't there's no like like in the Constitution where it lays out what the Electoral College is. It doesn't say anything about how you have to apportion them. Right. 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 So that's where they've gotten away with it. So like if you if we did this, at least it could change some things in some of the swing states where it would be helpful for like a Michigan or Ohio or a Minnesota. It wouldn't really mean anything for like California or New York, but like the districts, the states where, you know, the swing districts, the major swing states, that's where it would be helpful. Yeah. So I'm totally on board with your like genius thought. Too. Thank you. Thank you. It was Let's genius. Change something. <laughs> it was I know. genius. I'm overwhelmed. Like, why haven't people thought more about this? I know. But what's super helpful is that there is something in place if somebody does not get the majority of the electoral votes. Mm. So if you don't get 270, something called a contingent election will happen, which is basically the House. It'll go to the House and they will elect the president from uh, the top three candidates who got the most electoral votes. Mm-hmm. And that's that's only happened once who? in 1824. Oh my god, eighteen twenty four. Do you remember it? Think okay, back. Yes. Okay. I have um, yes. So theoria uh, right around it. then. Okay. <laughs> it's our very good friends Andrew Jackson and John Ugh. Quincy Adams. Yeah. No, I know. I know. I'm, I'm from Tennessee, so I have some kind of you cultural feel. shame. Born with some shame about Andrew Jackson. It'll interest you to know that Jackson received thirty eight thousand more votes than John Quincy Adams did, and beat him in the electoral vote, but didn't. It didn't. There wasn't a majority there. Um, at the time. And so they went to it went to the House and Henry Clay. I know we know him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, very good friend of mine uh, was one of the other nominees on the ballot. And so he threw his support behind John Quincy Adams. And that's how John Quincy Adams got to be president. Wow. Even though he did not win the popular vote. He got wow. it through the House. Yeah. Which is interesting that like this whole like the House elects the president from the three presidential candidates who received the most electoral votes. First of all, I'm sorry, Gary Johnson doesn't get to be in that pool. Do you know he what would, I mean? Like he, yeah. would be in the pool. he was he would be in the pool. Totally. And I think that's where re- it's that's crazy. So stupid. Yeah. Like the dude got he ruined the election in some states. Like yeah. he pulled votes and I don't think you should like be in the same like the pool choice of the like the pool of potential presidential right. candidates if you get like two percent of the vote yeah yeah i just don't think that you could say that this was written in a time where it makes sense and now it doesn't i it don't know doesn't. crazy idea yeah. maybe perhaps it's i outdated yeah. dusty this That's is neither here Bucky nor time there. this is, this is back time. when there were like eight parties and they each had roughly the same amount of chance of, like getting a presidential candidate to right the ballot and now i think we can talk about objections to the electoral college results because you can't object you can't object which i had no idea until i looked this up and i started doing research for this episode i had no idea that you not not like us in general but that congressional representatives can object to a state's electoral votes had you heard this no right it's weird and no one did that this in 2016 nobody did that in 2016 nobody did it in 2000 when it was bush v gore and it was like a clear like a clear ballot issue there were many issues there were many issues so congressional reps either from the house or from the senate can object to us to any state's electoral college vote at least one representative and one senator must object to the states to the state's vote to be registered as an objection. So if you and it doesn't have to be from like their state, it just has to be an objection to the same state's votes. 
So mm. like, yeah, it's weird. So like a congressional rep from Maryland and a senator from Texas could object to Florida's electoral vote count. And it would then be considered an objection because one House rep and one senator have both objected to it. Interessant. I know, right? And on what grounds? They're just like, no. Yeah. There, there's no stipulation about what the grounds have to be. They can just be like, this This sounds iffy, iffy at best. I love when there are no stipulations. Count, right? I feel like that is the way to go is to be like, <laughs> totally. there. there's no real reason why. You know, there's no standard. Right. There's no rule you have to follow to object. You just can. You just can't object. That's great. I love I, an open-ended objection. So then each chamber, so once like one House rep and one senator have both objected to the same state's voting electoral vote count, then each chamber of Congress, so the House and the Senate, separately consider the objection. So they go to their separate corners and they think about it and they're like, what do we, what do we think about this <laughs> situation? And then in order for the objection to stand, each chamber has to uphold the objection. So they both have to say, yeah, we agree with this objection. If the objection stands, then the votes don't count. They just go away. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't it? It's fucked up. Like, of course it is. It's so draconian in an interesting way. Like, this is what they've planned for. Like, what was going on in their lives? Yeah. This is what they planned for. I mean, so much. They were, they were. They had dysentery. There was, yeah. Mm -hmm. Syphilis. Heard of it? (laughs) Smallpox, that was before that. But, you know, I'm sure it was still around. It was close. close. You know. If both chambers are like, this sounds sketchy and we're going to uphold this objection, then the votes just don't, they don't count. They go away. If at least one of the chambers doesn't agree, then the votes stand. And has this ever happened? This part, no. Yeah. Yeah. But we have it in place just in case. Just in case. Yeah. (laughs) And I just, as I was reading this, I was like, why didn't this happen in 2000? Like I I said, I think of any... If there's like a clear case, Florida would have been a perfect test case for this because it was so clearly a ballot related problem. Totally. And the only thing that I can think of is that it, it, it didn't go to, to Congress. And I think it was because both candidates had their their lawyers, you know, challenge it in court. And so it ended up going to the Supreme Court. Otherwise, it should have gone like there should have been people in Congress objecting to Totally. I just watched Recount. Did you Did ever you? see that the HBO movie? No, is it good? It's well, it is it's only good on a kind of like educational level, just if you uh-huh. just want like a kind of overview of what happened. And then of course, Laura Dern as Catherine Harris is like <gasps> It's what? a stunning performance. She's the only one in the movie who's doing anything interesting. Oh my god. She's like I love it's Laura such Dern. a deeply funny and like sad performance. It's it's amazing. Shout to out to Laura it. Dern. Honestly, I know Always. she's listening. We love you. I love Laura Dern. So that's that's the objection to the Electoral College results. Never happened. Probably should have at some point. The Electoral College, as we said, and if you listened again to our gerrymandering episode, you heard my rant at the end about how we will never get rid of this institution. We have to find a workaround because it's literally in the Constitution, so it can't mm-hmm. be overturned as unconstitutional. <laughs> such uh, a shame. <laughs> such a shame. Such a catch-22. So it comes up, the Electoral College, and John, feel free to chime in on the ridiculousness of this language in the Constitution, because it's meandering and there's no punctuation. Okay, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it comes up in Article 2, Section 1. So two, pull out your constitution. Get them out along. and open them up. It comes up in two parts. The first part says, Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct 
a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in the Congress, which is basically just saying however many senators you get, however many House reps you get, that's your number of electoral votes. Mm -hmm. Super, super clear, super clear. But no senator or representative or person holding an office of trust or profit, question mark, what's that? Mm. Under the United (laughs) States shall be appointed an elector. So we actually, do you know what an office of trust or profit is? No. No, right? I had no idea. I (laughs) literally, I looked it up. So like the first part, no senator or representative is clear. Like they can't be an elector. Fine. Yeah. But person holding an office of trust or profit is so it's not actually like a proper title for anybody. It's yeah. uh, like if you have an interest in having this person elected to the presidency, if you can somehow profit from that. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. It's not like an actual title. <laughs> Although it. I would love to give myself the title of Office of Trust or Profit. profit. That's my title in this podcast now. Right. Lizzie Stewart, in the Office of Trust, Trust and profit. profit. I love it. At your service. And I feel like if the electors that were nominating in the states to like, if they can't have enough office of trust or profit, then I feel like by extension, they shouldn't elect a president who is, which is arguably also an office of trust or profit, who refuses to give up his trust or profit in the private business holdings that he has. That's my opinion about that. That's valid, right? That's valid. I completely agree. Um, The second part of where it shows up in the Constitution, and this is really where we have to buckle our seatbelts because it's quite a mouthful. So just bear with us is in uh, Clause three of Article two, Section one. Again, we're all reading along here. So again, John, just, you know, take this all in. I'll pause when I can. It's uh, it's it's a mouthful, but this is basically how the Electoral College functions. So it starts out. The electors shall meet in their respective states and vote by ballot for two persons of whom one at least shall not be an inhabitant of the same state with themselves. So right off the bat, we're just addressing you can't you can't vote for two from your state. Glad we get that out of the way right up the top. Next up. And they shall make a list of all persons voted for and of the number of votes for each, which list they shall sign and certify and transmit sealed to the seat of the government of the United States directed to the president of the Senate. So what that means is they put it all in a letter and they send it to the Senate. (laughs) Right. It's all just pure pageantry. Yes. Oh, it's so much pageantry. Yeah. It's so like. The the fact that in the Constitution it says it must be sent sealed <laughs> to this person. You're like, that that we needed. Next up, hmm, the president of the Senate shall, in the presence of the Senate and House of Representatives, open all the certificates and the votes shall be counted. So we just, it, we count the votes. I'm glad yeah, that's yeah. there. That's there. Yeah. Great. This is like a high school student council election. You, yeah. yeah, oh yeah. Like, exactly. report to the cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to count your votes. Next up, the person having the greatest number of votes shall be the president. If such number be a majority of the whole number of electors appointed. And if there be more than one who have such majority and have an equal number of votes, then the House of Representatives shall immediately choose by ballot one of them for president. 
And if no person have a majority, then from the highest five on the list, the said house shall in like manner choose the president. I am so tired. Who is understanding this? I know. We're all there. We're all there. Um, Next up. But in choosing the president, the vote shall be taken by the states. The representation from each state having one vote. So that seems fair. One state, one, one vote. vote. How cute mm-hmm. is that? But I love that they've like, they, like if it gets to this point and the, they're, they're basically like, we, we've, the, the, the Americans writ large have chosen these three to five candidates, however many there are. And then Congress just gets to choose anyway. Yeah. Like, Imagine if that happened today. Like, we only ever have two presidential candidates anyway. And then if it went to Congress and they were like, well, the Republicans control the Senate, so we're just going to vote that person in. Like, that seems... It's very frightening. I'm I'm very scared. You know what else is frightening is that we're still not through... This section of the Constitution. (laughs) There's more. It's almost done. It's almost done. But Jesus Christ. Okay. A quorum for this purpose shall consist of a member or members from two thirds of the states and a majority of all the states shall be necessary to a choice. So two thirds of the states have to be there in order for this to happen. I love Mm. that. Mm -hmm. I love that like one third can just not be there. And they're just like, you know what? You guys didn't show up. You didn't make it here on time. Your buggy broke down. Too bad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And finally, in every case, after the choice of the president, the person having the greatest number of votes of the electors shall be vice president. But if there shall remain two or more who have equal votes, the Senate shall choose, spelled C-H-U-S-E, from them by ballot the vice president. So this section actually has been changed because uh, now, obviously, the runner-up is not the vice president. Um, but back Ooh, in the day, I didn't know that was ever the case. Oh yes, yeah, yes, yes, yeah. yes. So back in the day, until 1804, so for a small portion of history, the yeah. president was the person with the most votes, and the vice president was the person with the second most votes. So wow. in case there was a you know tie on the second most votes, the Senate would choose who the vice president was in the same way that the house of representatives chose who the, uh, the president was. Wow. Wow. Right. They really thought this through. Did they? You think (laughs) they did. There's a lot of language to make it seem like they did. There's a lot of words. (laughs) This is definitely like when you write that paper in college and you're like, how exactly how big can I make these margins? Right. Right. The college paper just like did a paragraph of the reading and how can I expand (laughs) that paragraph? Exactly. 11 page paper. 11-page paper. Really big headings and footers. Yeah. Yeah. Two spaces after the sentences. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, so, yeah, like Lizzie said, this this last bit where we now elect outright a vice presidential candidate was changed with the 12th Amendment, which happened in 1804 and created two separate ballots for the president and the VP. There was also another amendment, which was the 23rd Amendment, that happened in 1961, and that awarded three electors to the folks who live in D.C., in the District of Columbia. Because up until then, they weren't represented. They didn't get to have a choice of who their president was. I love that. Like, WTF is that? You get to be center of the world, but... No voice. <laughs> no voice. So, John, earlier you asked why the Electoral College was created. Yes. The other part of it was that they didn't want the slaves in America to have a a voice in electing their president because they obviously weren't considered people. Um, yeah. 
they were three fifths of a person. And so because the southern states had a large slave population, it gave them more representation in Congress and in the Electoral College. All of the founding fathers came from slave holding states. So it behooved them to have this system, because if you're basing representation off a population and you have such a slave population in your states, even if they're only considered three-fifths of the person, it still gives them more representation in Congress. Yeah. Right. Right? fucked up? So so does that still, and that of course still, like, okay, no, you guys keep going. No, no, no. What do you say? What are you going to say? Well, I'm just curious on like, like how these, like have these ever, have the numbers ever changed? Have like the states throughout history always had the same amount of electoral votes? No, that's such a great question. No, they it no problem. <laughs> they do change. They change with the census. So every 10 years on the on the zero year, so 2010, 2020, we do uh, a national census where we count the humans, most of the humans living here. We'll see if Trump gets his way with the immigration question or the uh, citizenship question. Mm-hmm. But they count everybody. And so it changes based on how many people have moved into or moved out of your state. So you lose people, you lose representation in the electoral college because you lose representation in the house. So because your electoral college number is based on the Senate and the house, if you lose congressional reps, like New York has lost a few over the years, your electoral college number also drops. So it changes. Okay. But it always stays two senators. That does not change. That doesn't change. But it is important. That's why the census, you know, BS that's happening right now is so important on like so many different levels because if they keep the citizenship question in there, which is shitty if they do, yeah, um, and illegal, then that means that you're going to have less people participating in the census out of fear, and uh, right. basically, and- then you're it's gonna it's gonna skew the representation that you get in Congress, and then it's also going to skew the representation that you have in the Electoral College, and then it's going to affect who becomes president, and it's just this like downward spiral that yeah. we're on. And it's so, for like so, 10 yeah, years. So advocating <laughs> for the citizenship question is literally a way to control election yes. outcomes. Oh, totally. Yeah. Oh, see, I'm learning so much. Are you? I really am. This Yay. is truly helpful. Awesome. Yes. Um, <laughs> the other thing, which um, we're going to talk about some of the elections where the candidates won the Electoral College, but they lost the popular vote. Um <laughs> Uh, a subject near and dear to all of our hearts. Exactly. Traumatically experienced firsthand. Right. Um, Well, the first one was the one that we talked about earlier, which was Andrew Jackson versus John Quincy Adams. And we know what happened with that. The Mm. second one was our dear friend, Rutherford B. Hayes in 1876. He won... The Electoral College, but lost the popular votes by more than 250,000 to Samuel J. Tilden, another very close friend of mine. After that, uh, we had Benjamin Harrison in 1888. Uh, Grover Cleveland won the popular vote, who we love on this show. We do love Grover Cleveland. So he comes up a lot. You might you <laughs> might know Grover as the only president who did have two terms, but they were not one after each other. Consecutive. Consecutive. Thank you for using the word for me uh, because I couldn't (laughs) think of it. Uh, So he was like president once and then Benjamin Harrison came in and then he was president again after Benjamin Harrison. And then the third one was George Bush versus Al Gore. We don't have how many he lost by, but it was like, what? It was slim. They both got 48% of the vote. Yeah. So he he lost the popular vote by, by a slim, slim margin. 
And then Donald Trump <laughs> lost the popular vote by three million. Yeah. And change three million and change. So he lost the popular vote by the most, the most votes, of all these examples by like yeah. an incredible amount. Yeah. Wow. Well, part of it is because because each state gets two representatives automatically because of their Senate numbers. The Electoral College represents different states. Not each state is represented equally in the Electoral College. So I'm going to steal some stats from the Washington Post. So one elector represents 712,000 people in California. One person. Mm-hmm. 700,000 plus people. One elector in Wyoming, 195,000 people. That's wow. A, yeah, it's a difference of more than 500,000 people, which is why this makes me so angry because yeah. this is like we talked about in our gerrymandering episode that through the various cases that came up before the Supreme Court that had to do with gerrymandering, the court basically established like one person, one vote. And it's not. It's not happening here. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. It's not happening in the Electoral College. There's a huge, there's a disproportionate number of people being underrepresented in states like California and in New York just because, and, you know, maybe Texas and something too, like yeah, the larger, yeah. like the the red states that have higher population. Totally. But it's it's like unconscionable to me that this is still okay, that we're like living in this minority like minority rule right. of yeah. a system. Well, but it's in the Constitution, Arden. Mm-hmm. I know. And I really wish you would respect her more. I mean, she's <laughs> she's thoughtful. She's clear. I have no notes. I was reading it being like, wow, I literally could not have said this better myself. <laughs> I could not have think of more of a concise way to say, you know, whoever gets the most of this really weird group of people that we've assembled here they get to become the president i know john what are your thoughts do you have any thoughts about the electoral college i may have already asked this this is just another how do the electors get chosen so you're the the state parties choose them Um, and who are they so there's uh like there's state parties that exist at a state level um so like the new york state dems are the is like the state party. It's like the state version of the DNC, the Democratic right. National Committee. Um, so they choose them. Um, and that's all to say, like, these are usually, they're not uh, generally elected representatives, but they're party insiders. Wow. It's another Thank reason you. why I hate everything about this system, because I don't understand. And my biggest problem with our government on the whole is that they're, the reluctance to create any sort of uniformity about how things are done that it's that, you know, and I, and I completely respect the idea of states rights versus federal rights, but we get into these situations where you can do different things like the electoral college on a state by state basis. And then there's no consistency. There's a lot of confusion. um, And it leads to these like certain states having very unfair um, or less represented less representative processes Mm -hmm. than other states but we can't do anything about it because it's in the constitution which you know was written uh it was a first draft it was a first draft of an idea i've said it from the beginning um but another thing that that i found was interesting about this research is that the they added the electoral college bit into the constitution on one of their last days 
of the concert. <gasps> wow. Yeah. So they were all it? like impatient and ready to go. Yeah. This was part this of their like unfinished artist. business like committees. Wow. They, they so sat down. Sloppy. They were like, James, James, James and Samuel. What else do we have to figure out here? And they were like, how do we elect a president if the people don't know all the facts? And then somebody who I assume was named, you know, Thomas was like, you know, I have an idea. Uh, what if we just had this, let's call it a college. You know, it reminds me of my, it reminds me of my, (laughs) (laughs) my schooling. Uh, and we did it that way. Yeah. It was a last minute thing that they, that was thrown in there. And now it's, uh, stood the test of time. Do we love that or do we love it? Is there anything like an electoral college in any other country in the world? Not that I know. Do you know? No, I don't think so. I mean, yeah, not that I know of because. In a in a country like in the UK, it's it's parliamentarian. It's proportional. I would love if I feel like if we had a parliamentary system, we would be in a much better position yeah. because it's more representative of the people actually in the country. Because yeah. then you have you have labor and you have um, what's the Tories? The Tories. I know the Tories. I, that's Tories the, that's the, the one I was thinking of. Look, I knew it. I saw it in your mind's um, eye. <laughs> <laughs> so and then. There are, are seats appointed in the House according to how many votes those parties get. And so then they have they have MPs, which are their versions of like congressional representatives. And those people are like the seats are apportioned by party, by how many people from that party, how many votes that party gets. They don't elect the people. They elect the party. Got it. OK. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> yeah it's so it's really it's kind of backwards i did do a little bit of like quick research about how the electors are nominated it's kind of a clusterfuck because that is it's, so unreal a clusterfuck this country <laughs> i've never shocked shocked i have never it's literally different by state which makes some what sense. it makes some sense when has that ever happened never. where it's been different by, by state? state i swear to god somebody call me I'm i wouldn't so have it any other way <laughs> genuinely <laughs> john you asked such great questions i'm so glad you came on the show i'm truly grateful for that the, it's I, i've always um kind of railed against the electoral college uh, yeah. you know as as we do now these days it's very yeah. easy to it's kind of trendy i love know it. what to be angry about but to not know anything about it right <laughs> well your um, instincts were correct mm-hmm. <laughs> you're you. asking really great questions <laughs> thank um, you it's yeah. kind of like a parliamentary approach to anger you see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I, I do. I've always it's like I've I'm always voting for the anger pre like knowing the actual candidate. Yes. yes. Okay. You know. I, I, no, this, we got you. The metaphor maybe um, fell apart there. It really no. it didn't. Okay, Trust yes. yourself. Thank you. Trust yourself, not the electoral college. <laughs> thank you. Amen. God is good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Do you have any any last minute electoral college questions? Anything you want to plug for yourself that's coming mm. up? What's going on with you? God, there's nothing to plug. <laughs> there's Do you want to run for your state electoral college? Yeah, no. Uh, oh, God, I should have said that. Yes, I am running for office. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Um, we're really excited. I'm about to announce my candidacy. I'm running on a kind of over-refrigeration platform. Love that. <laughs> Just in this country, we we kind of freak out and over we refrigerate our eggs when we don't need to, We you know. Um, and that's kind of my primary issue and i'm we're really hoping it's for president i want to be clear yeah of course no 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 what a breath of fresh air may i say i will say that um la was the first 
was the place that I learned that you didn't have to refrigerate your eggs. <laughs> really oh, yeah. Don't. Nothing says like, chicness like an unrefrigerated egg. <laughs> what do they know that I don't? And that's where I learned that you don't have to refrigerate your eggs. Exactly. If anybody and takes the- away anything from today's episode, please let it be that you don't have to refrigerate your eggs. You really don't. And no. that's the kind of message I'm trying to um, get out there. And I, I hope you guys can lend me your support and your wow. vote. I, definitely. You, you have we're breaking vote. our no um, endorsement rule. We now endorse John <laughs> we, we now endorse John <laughs> This is, uh, I'm ready to go campaign. Me too. Thank you. We'll do the flyers. Amazing. Woo! Um, well, thank you for coming on the show. This was such a delight. And such I'm going to text you the answers to your questions. And also just now that I remember that I had your cell phone number in my phone. <laughs> I know. Like it's major. Hi. <laughs> okay. Anyway, no, vote no, no. for me. Thank you guys so much. I'll text you if I have any more questions about the Electoral College. And then maybe please, we can please. You know, leave a voicemail um, with my with my research. And Okay. Um, all right. Thank you guys. It was so yes, fun. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bless you for your work. Bye. Bye. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleep Wave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice.